Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everyone and welcome to episode 419 of the battery power podcast i am your co-host scott coleman brad is away this weekend while he travels so i am joined by a very special guest stephen tolbert who you know from this very podcast network on the podcast to be named later stephen is also a great follow on twitter at b underscore outliers stephen we have finally reached the end of the regular season and the playoffs are right around the corner how are we feeling Scott, how we doing, buddy? Yeah, man, it's um, it's wild. I mean, I can't believe we're at the end. Every year, it seems like it's going to be a marathon. It feels like it's going to take forever, and then we get to the end, and I, I don't know where the time went. It seems like yesterday that we were coming out of spring training. Um, the seasons just go by so much quicker now. I don't know why, but it just feels like they just fly by. I can't believe it's October, but yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, now we get to the the postseason. We get to figure out exactly you know, how we're going to frame this season. Obviously, regular season-wise, it's been um, one of the best that I can ever remember, one of the most fun that I can ever remember. But, you know, sadly, because of how American sports work and and our focus on the postseason and playoffs, you know, how they do in October is going to frame a lot of how we remember this season. So um, it's fun to finally get to that part of the season, and uh, it's great to be on with you, man. You as well. My good sir, some housekeeping and record-keeping notes. You mentioned the regular season coming to an end. The Atlanta Braves finished the 2023 season with 104 wins. 104 wins, 58 losses. Of course, the division was wrapped up many weeks ago. Just a remarkable team, really from start to finish. Uh, Looking back on this division run the Braves are on right now, while they have won the the six straight divisions it hasn't always been the easiest or cleanest ride there has been some slow starts and you know, took a while for the team to get going of course famously in 2021 below 500 until the end of July and just caught fire from that point on but really from from pole to pole this team was terrific if not the best record in the league at any given point they were almost always top three top five and then once again they they were good early, and then once again, they really found their gear. You know, right around the time maybe June rolled around, they just became this gauntlet where it seemed like everybody was hitting. Whoever was on the mound that night was finding a way to get the job done. Just a really, really special team. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason it was so much fun was, you know, last year's team was obviously a lot of fun, but the Mets were so good, you know, you you really couldn't enjoy it most of the year because you were always chasing and you didn't know if you were going to end up winning the division. It was stressful. I mean, this year they just from, 
from the jump. I think they were like 25 and 11 to start the year. They got off to a great start, which is which hasn't been their forte, you know, over these division kind of this newest division streak. They've been a, a team that starts pretty slow. And this year they just didn't do it. They just, I mean, immediately jumped out, just destroying everybody. They had one little lull in May where they were probably about a 500 team. And then June 1st kicked in and, and they just started annihilating everybody and really haven't looked back. It, I mean, these, these division races were over by the beginning of September. You know, most of the stuff they clinched was just a formality. There wasn't really any stress to it. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of what makes it so fun is it's just been, it's been a ride you could enjoy from really day one. And I've had so much fun and I, I can't wait for the postseason to start, but I do, I do think we we should appreciate the six months of baseball that we just watched because it was elite, essentially from day one. Yeah, it might be a long time before we watch a season where just so completely dominant. Knock on wood, for the most part, a pretty healthy season. Of course, there were injuries along the way, but I mean, just a a, a joy to watch this baseball team every single night. Um, a couple of of just right off the top here, now that we're at the end of the regular season, thanks to some late inning heroics on Sunday afternoon from Marcel Ozuna, the Braves have tied the all-time Major League home run record with 307. They were swinging for the fences in that bottom of the ninth, trying to get to 308 to break the record. But, I mean, even the, the broadcast booth for the Braves talked about this, you know, all of the teams that they were competing with to break this home run record almost exclusively came in that 2019 season where, I mean, guys were hitting golf balls. Those baseballs were so jacked and they the little pop flies would go 15 rows deep into the seats. So for the Braves to tie the record at 307, just a, a fitting way for the season to end with the home run in the ninth inning, even if they didn't go on to win the game. I can tell you everybody was cared far more about tying and and ultimately trying to break that record than a uh, pointless game against the Nationals here on October 1st. Yeah, my entire timeline was begging Michael Tonkin to blow that save. Like I've never I've never seen it before, but everybody was rooting for a big inning for the Nationals in the top of the ninth just to give the Braves one more shot. You know, Eddie hit that ball that hit the very 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 top of the wall. That could have been the, you know, obviously that would have tied it and, and then Marcel's would have would have broken it. But I think it's great that the Braves at least get a share of that record. Like when you talk about the greatest home run hitting teams of all time, like the Braves at least are now in that category. Like that the 2023 team has a share of it at least. It would have been a bummer to me a little bit if they fell one short um, because now they at least get mentioned anytime somebody approaches that record again. You know, the Braves at least have a, a tie of the share. So, yeah, it was great to see. Obviously, the team has just mashed the ball all year long. Um, I was rooting for Michael Tonkin to blow the save, too, if I'm being honest. I wanted the Braves to get one more crack at it. Yeah, me, me too. It was funny watching Marcel all day. He got hit by a pitch and was, like, mad as hell because he got hit and he couldn't swing. And then later in the uh, game, he walked and got mad as hell because he couldn't swing. So you could tell the guys were – I mean, they were actively – swinging out of their shoe. Everybody was trying, everybody knew and everybody was trying. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, maybe not as sexy of a record, but the Braves also became the first team in major league history as a team to slug 500, which is pretty damn cool. They finished the year at 501 as a team slugging percentage. 
nothing else to necessarily add to that, but just a really cool, I mean, anytime you're the first team to do something ever in a sport like baseball, that's been around for so long. I mean, just a testament, not only to the home run power, but just, I mean, you had guys who, who had career highs and doubles and it seemed like every single night they were putting pressure on the other team with the extra base hit ability, really one through nine in this order. Yeah. And another thing is cool. I just, I actually just looked it up. It's not even in our outline, but the Braves went, uh, 52 and 29 at home and they went 52 and 29 on the road. So they had 104 wins and they won 52 on the road and 52 at home. So yeah, just a really complete team, just a, 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 a unbelievable offensive team, probably the greatest offensive team we've ever seen, or, or probably we will ever see. Um, just, you know, Marcel Azuna came back from the dead to put up a 40 home run, 100 RBI season. I mean, that's bananas. Olsen set the franchise record. Riley almost hit 40. You know, Ozzy had 30 and 100. And none of those guys are going to win the MVP because the guy that led the team was the best player in baseball in Ronald Acuna Jr. So, I mean, that's it's just an absurd team, absurd lineup. I mean, every single night. I think you tweeted it a couple of weeks ago and probably have just kept retweeting it. But it, I think you said, like, every time the Braves – went down by four runs. It just felt like a training exercise. Like yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly, that's exactly what it was. Like they would get down for nothing in the first. And I swear every single time they would just, they would, they would either crush their way back in one or two innings, or they would slowly make their way back in the game. And they didn't always win the game, but I can't ever remember a time where they didn't at least tie it at some point. And that, and you know, that's just incredible, incredible offense and, and incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, it really was. So, of course, now exciting things on the horizon. We are one week away from the start of the NLDS. The wild card round gets started here in about oh less than 48 hours as of recording this. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. We'll, we'll blow through the week that was a good week overall for the Braves. Four and two, they, man, the Chicago Cubs, I don't think the Braves are going to get a Christmas card from the Cubs organization. Just, we just talked about how this lineup is never out of a game. Looking back on Tuesday, a six, nothing lead for Chicago early. And I mean, the Braves were seemingly dead in the water and then you blinked and all of a sudden they had tied the game. And really it was just kind of a foreshadowing of a, incredible series for the Braves. And I think an important one too, just to kind of get the juices flowing again. I think it's only natural to become a little complacent and to take your foot off of the gas pedal, especially when they clinch the division so early. So for the Cubs to come into town, a team that was very obviously trying to win every single night for the Braves to not only sweep the series, but especially that Tuesday night game, just to kind of get everyone high-fiving again and going, man, this is what we can do when we lock in well, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. You know, Bryce elder starts are always, you know, they've been in adventures in the last really two months, really since the all-star break. Um, he did not look good. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get to the preview of the NLDS, but he did not look good. He gave, he got down six, nothing really quick. Um, the Cubs had a, you know, they had their best pitchers on the mound for the whole series. They, I think they went, Justin Steele, uh, Italian, and Stroman in, in the three games. And so the Braves had a tough test. And, yeah, like you said, they came back. Um, they tied it. They eventually won the game. The Cubs defense oh my, the Cubs defense in that series was 
just atrocious. I mean, honestly, it was a gift the that drop flight ball. I know it probably got lost in the lights and it was probably just a bad break for Chicago, but it wasn't just that play. All series long, they were dropping balls left and right. Uh, the outfield had a miserable time at Truist. And yeah, it was great to see the offense just put so much pressure on you. And, you know, eventually they were able to break through. But yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it was good to get some playoff like atmosphere going with the team. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since they clinched. I think getting all those, you know, all those fiery juices going again. Um, I think that does help. I, I actually really like playing teams that are in contention after you've clinched because it still gives you that, you know, something big to play for, even if you've clinched all your stuff. So I I very much appreciate the Cubs coming into town. I know they they are not happy about how it turned out and, and they had a whole collapse uh, in September. But yeah, I agree. It was good. It was a good series for the Braves to really get back going. Wednesday night, the just craziness continued, just really fun baseball games to watch. Of course, the headline on Wednesday night was Ronda Cunha Jr. stealing his 69th and 70th base. I mean, just to, to create the 40-70 club, which is so, so impressive. There was the, uh, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but the um, much talked about celebration at second base. I think the Cubs are being a bunch of fussy babies and need to relax. It was a historic moment, a moment that may never happen again in the history of Major League Baseball as Ronald lifted the base out and, and they did the video montage. But the Braves win 6-5. to five. Of course, Marcelo Zuna, who had a huge week. He might be the National League Player of the Week uh, on Monday, had a home run in the ninth inning to tie the game. And then, of course, Acuna steals second base. And a pitch later, Ozzy Albies drives him in for a 6-5 to five win. Just another back-breaking loss for the Cubs at the time and a really fun win and a historic night in Atlanta. Yeah, and a big six innings from Darius Vines, too. You know, the Braves had kind of these um, unheralded guys pitch and really have for the last few weeks, you know, as they've tried to give other guys rest and, and get some of their uh, regular starters back and some guys have gone on the IL. They've had to lean on, you know, um, lesser known guys like Darius Fines and uh, AJ Smith Schauber and Alan Winans, guys like that. And, you know, it hasn't always been pretty, but it's usually been at least enough to help the team cover some innings. And, and that's what uh, Vines did on Wednesday. You know, the controversy about the Monta, I, I thought I agree with you. I, I just, it was such. Nah, it was such nonsense. I mean, the Braves aren't playing for anything. Like, it's not the Braves' problem that the Cubs had to treat all those games like playoff games. I mean, the Braves are, they've clinched all their stuff. So if they want to take, you know, 45 seconds to celebrate something that's never been done before, I just, I, I thought it, the the crying over it was just ridiculous. Uh, I it, I think most of that was just misplaced anger for, for how the Cubs were playing, if I'm being honest. But yeah, yeah great to see. 70 steals, 40 homers. You got to celebrate it. You got to take a moment. Uh, he got the base, which was awesome. And Ozzy Albies, I mean, Ozzy has just killed the Cubs over his career. And, you know, his left handed swing has really started coming along these last couple of months, which is going to be big in October. Um, and yeah, he had a huge game. So, again, really good signs. And then Thursday night, a nice way to close out the series with the sweep. Uh, Stephen, I wanted to ask you. You know, we've talked about a couple of these AAA guys who have now filled in, 
AJ Smith Shaver pitched on Thursday night, Darius Vines Wednesday, Alan Winans pitched over the weekend as well. No, I thought of the group, they all have done a nice job at various times over the last month, you know, without doing a full on deep dive into playoff roster possibilities. Do you see a spot for any of these guys on the roster or are they going to get crunched off? That's a good question. It's the Braves have had some guys who haven't looked great, right? Bryce Elder is obviously the, the name everyone's talking about, but even in the bullpen, you know, guys like Brad Hand, you know, Kirby Yates has had an up and down year. I do wonder, you know, with AJ Smith Shawver, he looked like he was getting stronger and stronger. He touched a hundred miles an hour in that start that he made. You know, is that a guy you put in the bullpen? I don't I don't know. You know, is that a guy you maybe put on the roster just in case something happens with Elder? I could see it. I mean, the Braves have done it before. They've been very aggressive with yeah. with the young guys and um you know, I would love to have another lefty, if I'm being honest. You know, having only having mentor and dot or um mentor and Brad Hand is pretty nerve-wracking for me, especially how easy it is for teams to to take advantage of the fact that Brad Hand can't face righties. You know, I would love if guy like Dylan Dodd was better, but he's not. So I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I could see a world where AJ Smith Shalver gets in there just to have another kind of high velocity right-handed arm out of the pen you know Kyle Wright is a name that we need to figure out exactly what's going on and what his role is going to be but um, of the guys that they brought up I think I would say AJ is probably the guy that has the best chance of actually being on the roster I don't know though I could be talked out of that yeah I was playing around with some roster possibilities and to me it seems like there's maybe 20 or 21 guys who are virtual locks. So that that does leave a handful, maybe five or six players who the Braves could uh, tinker with and decide that will of course come later in the week. I believe the the rosters have to be submitted maybe Friday or or Saturday. The NLDS begins on Saturday. Uh, so nonetheless, I'm sure if if folks are bored during the week, if you want to fill out your 26 man playoff roster, that is certainly fun to do. You mentioned Kyle Wright covered two in the third innings, which was good to see. He had the strikeout ball working. I think he is very much in play to start game three of the NLDS. Um, And that was, I mean, that was really it, a fairly drama-free win. The Braves went down early, but Matt Olson hit his 54th home run um, of the year to give an early lead back to Atlanta, and that was about it. Um, Steven, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to recap the national series and then look ahead to the wildcard round the week ahead for the Braves. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Stephen, we will make the Nationals recap brisk. I don't know about you, man. Did you, the, Davey Martinez and Bro. the pitching coach? Yeah, oh, Davey God. Martinez and the pitching coach for the Nationals. I can see his face, but I mean, I can see his face because I saw a lot of him this weekend. The, the way the Nationals were managing 
this week. I mean, you would have thought it was a playoff series. And I'm, like I'm convinced I'm convinced that dude has like a, a clause in his contract for like the 70th win of the season or something. Like he yeah. gets an extra 200 grand or something. Like my I, God. Uh, me too. And it, you know, it was similar last weekend in in Washington, DC when they played. You know, Davey was out there a ton. I mean, they were mixing and matching in the fifth inning. And anyway, I had to I had to mention that because uh, even the broadcast booth was like, holy moly, uh, we're doing this again. Uh, the Braves ended up losing two out of three to the Nationals. And of course, three games that truly meant nothing. At this point, the Braves had clinched the overall number one seed in the playoffs. So if they make it to the World Series, they will have home field the entire way. Uh, the Braves also gave quite a bit of rest to especially Ron Vicuña Jr. and Matt Olson. Both of them got really nice ovations on Sunday. They both were also pulled early on Friday evening. And then the one item I wanted to bring up, Stephen, uh, Spencer Strider broke Sean Smoltz's franchise record for strikeouts in a season, ended with 281 strikeouts this year, also won his 20th game. I, I know that wins, rightfully so, have been diminished when in terms of evaluating pitchers, but I don't care what year it is. If you win 20 baseball games as a starting pitcher, it's a really cool accomplishment and a historic year from Strider with the 281 strikeouts. Yeah, it's been it's been a really really good year for Spencer Strider. It's been a really weird year. You know, he's going to he ended the season with a an ERA that's a full run higher than his FIP, which doesn't usually happen. Usually you see you know either some sort of regression where those numbers get closer as the year goes on. Um he had a you know, he just kind of got a case of of one bad inning on a lot of his starts and and the other night was no different he had a bad first inning and then he you know he cruised after that so uh, but he's been amazing you know the strikeouts have been unbelievable i know there are some people that don't value strikeouts out of pitchers they think it's overrated i i'm i'm the exact opposite you know you just you don't want to ever have to live by batted ball luck and the best way to avoid batted ball luck is just to not let the the ball be batted to begin with. And that's, you know, that's strikeouts. So, uh, you know, they're a massive part of the game and he's one of the very best to ever do it in a Braves uniform and arguably the best. So yeah, awesome year. It was a weird year, but, um, you know, I think as he learns to, to limit those big innings, you know, had he done that a little bit better this year, he probably would have won the Cy Young. If I'm being honest, I think that that ERA is, is going to uh, keep him out of it, but, yeah, it was still a huge year for Spencer, and obviously now, you know how he how he looks in the postseason is going to be kind of the focus. Well, and you mentioned the the strikeout versus contact debate, and you know we could probably have a whole hour long discussion about this. But in October, come playoff time, give me the strikeout guy eleven times out of ten. Yeah, right. Like if if you if teams aren't putting the ball in play you are more likely than not going to have success. And there, there's just something to be said for having power pitching this time of year. Uh, so yeah, a really nice year for Spencer Strider. I'm guessing probably top three in Cy Young. Uh, I think Blake Snell probably deserves it with San Diego. I mean, just some historic numbers that he had this season, but a really nice year from Spencer. The regular season wrapped up on Sunday. We mentioned a a loss that I don't think anybody cared about. Um, one cool little note here, Ronald Acuna Jr., who only played an inning before coming off, 
finished the season with the Fangraphs war lead at 8.3, just a nose over Mookie Betts. This has, of course, been discussed incessantly for the last month and a half over the MVP stuff. I think Ronald has it. He does finish the year with a a small, small lead in in war overall as well, but really just a a crowning accomplishment for Ronald Acuna Jr., who had a special, special year. And, uh, you know, the awards will not be announced for another six weeks. And I'm kind of happy about it, Stephen, because I don't know if I could do any more of this award season discord that we've been doing forever now. Yeah, I think me and you would probably um, agree on this, that, you know, the the any kind of award voting and discourse around award voting is just exhausting. So I'm, I'm going to be thrilled when this is over. But yeah, you know, Ronald finishing ahead of Mookie in war, even though it's a margin that shouldn't really matter to anyone, it, it is a margin that matters to some people, is important. I think Ronald finishing ahead of Mookie in OPS you know, there, Mookie had that incredible August where all of his offensive numbers actually passed Ronald's, which is where the the debate rarely started. Um, you know, if it's just defensive numbers, then most voters don't really care about that. But once all once all of Mookie's offensive numbers caught up to Ronald's, that's when it really the discussion really got heated. But Ronald having the much much better September, you know, Mookie sl- slowed down a pretty good bit in September. I think that's in ultimately what's going to uh, end up costing him. But yeah, Ronald finishing with a higher OPS. He finished with a higher WRC plus, um, you know, more homers, all the stuff that uh, most voters look at. So, and even if you look at the odds, I'm not Brad Roland, but you know, I, I do look at an, an odd every once in a while. And um, if you look at the Vegas odds, um, it, you know, Ronald is the heavy, heavy favorite. So uh, I think as fun as it was, and I put fun in quotations, um, I think Ronald cleared the field, the rest of the field in September, and he should take it home when, whenever they announce it. Yeah. So exciting stuff on the horizon there. Um, Steven, we are now going to jump into the wild card round preview. If folks have not heard, it is now confirmed and locked in. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to host the Miami Marlins for a best of three series. It's going to be the all-National League East portion of the bracket. Of course, the Braves will face the winner of Miami and Philadelphia. The games are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and it was just announced moments ago that all three games are going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern from Philadelphia. So, you know, I think the beauty of this preview here is there's, of course, a ton of familiarity with these two teams It ultimately came down to the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Arizona Diamondbacks as the three wildcard teams. It looked for a while like the Diamondbacks might be on their way to the five seed to play Philadelphia, and they just kind of cratered and uh, cooled off, had a bad final week. So while the Marlins, I think, are an interesting team, they very famously have a terrible run differential, which is usually not the case for teams that make the playoffs. But they're also playing really good baseball right now. Might be their best baseball of the season. At the very minimum, it's the the best of the second half. Their lineup has gotten better. The, the rotation is not as good as it could be because of injuries. But overall, I, I think the, the Marlins and the Phillies have a potential to play a really competitive three-game uh, series here this week, even if Philadelphia is rightfully going to be favored going in. Yeah, I mean, just on... 
just on spec, like Philadelphia is a substantially better team than Miami. I think Philadelphia is pretty easily the third best team in the National League behind Atlanta and L.A. I have always believed in their talent a lot more than I believe in just about anybody other anybody else's talent outside of the Braves and the Dodgers, even really more than the Mets. You know, when we were doing all the Mets stuff earlier than year early in the year, I still just believed in the the Phillies more. You know, when you have Nola and Wheeler at the top of that rotation, they've got a ton, a ton of high, high velocity arms in the back of their bullpen, power arms that usually play up in, in October. They have a ton of power in their lineup. You know, obviously everybody knows about Harper and Turner because those guys kill the Braves. But, you know, Schwarber's got like 45 home runs this year. Castellanos gets randomly hot at times. Rio Muto. Um, you know, they just have more talent. And Miami is scrappy. I don't really know how they made it to where they made it with a, a negative, I don't know, 60 run differential or whatever it was. But, you know, it's a three-game series. I mean, anything can happen. But not having Sandy... You know, they're going to have to, you know, Jesus Lazardo is going to have to really dominate for them, which he can. He's a, he's a really good pitcher. But, um, you know, Miami did upgrade the offense at the deadline, which was, you know, they got Berger, they got uh, Josh Bell. So they, they're they better than they were. Um, I, I think Philly's better. I think Philly wins the series. But, it's I mean, it's the playoffs, man. Anything, I mean, Miami could sweep these guys. Literally anything could happen. So it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it, it definitely will. Um, just some quick numbers here. Um, and again, there's a lot of familiarity. So I think Stephen and I are going to forego doing a deep dive. I think most folks are familiar with their lineups. Um, it does look like it's going to be Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in games one and two, and then Jesus Lazardo and Braxton Garrett in games one and two for uh, Miami. And then we'll see if a game three comes up. I would assume Ranger Suarez and I would think Miami would do something of a bullpen game. Again, Sandy Alcantara is out for the season with elbow problems, which is a real bummer. Um, Yuri Perez, who is also their, their budding star in the rotation is on the IL with a back problem. I don't know if he's necessarily done for the year, but he is done for the wildcard round at the very least. Uh, We know these lineups, uh, the Phillies, especially in the second half, were really strong. They had a huge month of August. They are sixth in Team WRC Plus in the second half, 11th overall, although they have actually cooled down a bit offensively. They were in the bottom half of the league in offensive production over the last 30 days. And Miami, as as I mentioned a minute ago, is actually hitting the ball well. They are 10th in the league in offensive production over the last 30 days. So we're, we're talking small samples, medium samples, big samples here. But I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think Philadelphia ultimately wins the series. But it's A, it's baseball. And B, I do think the Marlins have enough now that their lineup is fully healthy and lengthier. You know, they can get a couple of performances out of Lazardo and Garrett starting the games. I think they're going to have a puncher's chance. Yeah, and their bullpen was a lot better in – uh, September, you know, they, they brought, uh, Daniel Robertson over from the Mets at the trade deadline. He got off to a a really rough start in August, but he settled in, in, in September. Tanner Scott has been really good for them at the back of their bullpen. You know, they've got, they're another team that's got some high velocity at the bull at the end of the bullpen. It's actually going to be a really fun series. I think, you know, all three games are in Philadelphia. 
you know, Braves fans know very well anything can happen in that ballpark. Um, you know, you can get a 10 to nine game, you can get a two to one game. Um, so it'll be a lot of, I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking forward to that one as, as much as I am any of the others. Obviously the Braves have a ton of familiarity with both these teams, but I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of talent uh, on the field in this series and yeah, it'll be fun to watch. It definitely will be. Uh, the other National League wildcard series is the Milwaukee Brewers against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Those games might be first team to three runs wins. I mean, quite honestly, the starting pitching in that series is crazy, although the lineups are leave something to be desired. And then in the American League, on the other side, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays against the Texas Rangers. And you talk about two teams that had tremendous seasons getting stuck into that wild card round. And then the Toronto Blue Jays against the Minnesota Twins, who, I mean, we, we can call the American League Central a division if we're being friendly. It's uh, it's always funny. The last couple of years, whoever has won that division, you look at them compared to the rest of the American League and you're like, those guys suck. How, how are they in there, right? The, the Twins would be heavily favored. Or I'm sorry, the uh, Mariners would be heavily favored over the Twins. Of course, just a product of the divisions. But nonetheless, it should be four fun series. They begin on Tuesday afternoon. And uh, yeah, back to back to back. I think, Stephen, one thing I do want to say for the Braves, no matter who wins the series between Miami and Philadelphia, you we are all rooting for that series to go three games instead of only two. That means both teams have to use their third starters. It means the bullpen is going to be more taxed. It's one less day of rest. It's one less day they have in between travel. So just, I, I think this is fairly clear, but no matter who wins, and I think most Braves fans are rooting for Miami to win the series, at the very least, we would like this to go three games just to put these teams through the ringer a little bit more. You know, on Saturday, whoever they play in game one, obviously the Braves are going to throw Spencer Strider. And then let's say even the, if the Phillies win, Aaron Nola wouldn't be available to pitch until game two. So, you know, the Phillies, if they win, they would have to throw either a bullpen game or some version of their four starter or the the Marlins would be even worse off because they don't have as deep a rotation. So, yeah, either way, and I'm with you, I, I think most people are rooting for Miami here just because the Braves have handled Miami a little better. Um, either way, it's going to be advantage Braves, which it should be. I mean, that's how it should work if you win – I mean, the Braves won, I don't know, 15 or I think with the Marlins, they won 20 plus more games over the regular season than than the Fish did. So, you know, you should have the advantage. But, yeah, it'll be fun either way. Um, I'll be terrified either way. You know, uh, I'm an Atlanta sports fan just like you, just like all the people listening out there. And and obviously we've seen some some heartbreak. Um, so it'll be nerve wracking. It'll be it'll be awful. If I'm being honest, I mean, I don't know why we do this to ourselves being sports fans, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to sit and watch and, and endure it all, and it'll be fun. And there's something nice to watching these wild card games when you don't have to play in them. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Right? I mean, uh, the Braves, fortunately, over the years, have really not had to do a lot of wild card gaming over the years. They're in a lot of division, winning the division. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it should be fun. We'll see. Uh, later in the week on this very podcast network, we will have a full-on NLDS preview. So I believe Brad and I will do that on Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when the Miami and Philadelphia series wraps up. So everyone, please uh, be sure to 
keep an eye out for that. We will do a full-on deep dive preview of the series. Um, looking ahead to the upcoming week, we mentioned the wild card games. The Braves are going to change it up a little bit with their preparations. They are going to do three simulated games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. And they're actually open to the public. So if you are in the Atlanta metro area and want to watch some Atlanta Braves baseball, I believe it's free as well. I, I didn't look into this myself, but I believe tickets are available to anyone interested. Yeah, it's free. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's great then. So a great opportunity, a chance to probably sit down close to the field where seats are nearly impossible to find. Um, and then Max Freed is scheduled to pitch on Tuesday in that simulated game. So all eyes will be on Max. Uh, by all public reporting, it seems like the Braves are still very optimistic that he will be able to pitch in the NLDS. We are still not sure, of course, whether that would be a game one or a game two. But nonetheless, the Braves are going to change it up a bit. I know the Dodgers also said publicly they're changing up the way they do their preparations over this week-long layoff. I think teams with the new playoff format learned some things from last year. And if the Braves want to try something new to keep the energy going and all of that, I'm all for it. And it should be a fun week ahead. Yeah, I don't. Maybe you remember, Scott. I don't actually remember what they did. Maybe they just did workouts last year. I don't know if they yeah. did just like intra-squad workouts during the week off. Um, everybody that's talked about it has talked about it in a way that makes it seem like this is a a pretty significant change from what they did last year. So I'm guessing they didn't actually have any games at all of any sort. I'm guessing they just did workouts last year. I, uh, I kind of, I interpreted the same just based on the, the language used this week about changing it up. I think they probably just did like infield drills and batting practice and bullpens, but very yeah. little competitiveness, even if, of course, it sounds like Gwinnett is going to be used for the Braves to play against quite a bit. The Gwinnett stripers, So, of course, these are not going to be super high-intensity, nine-inning, playoff-like atmospheres, but it is definitely going to be a change. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, this is only the second year of this playoff format where, you know, the top two teams get a bye in the first round. You know, byes are are obviously never been a part of, of Major League Baseball playoffs before, so, you know, these, and it's been the Braves and the Dodgers both years, and so obviously both teams very frustrated about uh, about being bounced in the first round last year so it's not surprising that they would change it up i'm very interested to see how it works i would if if both teams or one team especially if both teams get bounced again you know if the Braves and Dodgers are are clearly the best two teams and both teams get bounced again in the first round i i do wonder if there would be a conversation about maybe altering this playoff format a little bit just because it's clearly not as beneficial to the top two teams as as maybe it seemed like on paper but yeah, I'll be interested to see how it actually how it looks. How you know if they come out a little sharper than they did last year, if that helps, and if that becomes the norm. But um, yeah, like you said, it'll be a fun week. Um, I don't live in Atlanta. I know you don't either, so we won't be there. But um, yeah, if you're around, come. You know, you get amazing seats. You get to watch Max Fried pitch if you come on Tuesday, and yeah, get ready for the postseason on Saturday. That's right. So a cool opportunity for anyone interested. Uh, Looking ahead to the NLDS, Stephen just mentioned Saturday will be game one at Truist Park, which, you know, I was looking back on it and and this kind of slipped my mind. But, you know, with the the weird schedule last year, the Braves hosted game one on like a Wednesday afternoon. And it was like a 
it was like a 1 p.m. first pitch. I mean, thanks for the, uh, you know, thanks for the tip of the cap, Major League Baseball. That was, I mean, anyway, I could go on a whole rant about that. So thankfully, this time around, game one will be on Saturday. Of course, the time is to be announced at Truist and then an off day on Sunday, which we've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times. But game two will not be until Monday at Truist. And because the American League plays on Sunday, there's only two games on Monday. So I I think and I hope that they will get a reasonable start time. It might be a late afternoon, early evening instead of like seven o'clock prime time. But nonetheless, a game on Saturday and then a game on Sunday. And uh, yeah, we're, we're coming up on it quickly. Yeah, it's so incredibly annoying to me that you spend six months playing games and pretty much every single game you play is either at 7 p.m. or at, you know, 1 p.m., depending on the day. And then you get to the playoffs and they throw you out there at like 4 p.m. And like shadows you've never seen before are now in play. Yeah, that drives me crazy. I I know that you have to stack these games and you don't want – I just don't understand why baseball is so – against having two games on at the same time like just stagger them just put like you know an hour between them or something but asking teams to play games at 4 p.m 3 p.m times they've basically never played at before is not my favorite thing so i'm with you i I hope they get some decent start times i mean my god maybe even a night game that would just be that'd be like a miracle if the braves could actually get like a home night playoff game you're asking for a lot right now i know I i don't know I, I don't know who you have to bribe to get the sun to go down before you start a playoff game, but that would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, it, it that was one of the more annoying things about last year is all their games were day games. All of them were like four o'clock in the afternoon, which is a time you never play baseball. So, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they, they time these games out. You know, the, the Braves always play at the same day as the Dodgers. The Dodgers usually get the, the main TV draw. So yeah, that part's going to be interesting to watch. It will be. So uh, all four games on Saturday and then American League only on Sunday and Monday will be the National League. So two games on the short horizon for Atlanta. Um, Steven, we're going to get out of here. I, you know, until we have more of a idea of who the Braves will play in the NLDS, uh, it's just not a ton else of previewing we can do, at least without becoming reckless. Uh, no shortage of things to keep an eye on this week. Max Freed, hopefully all reports come out well on Tuesday. It seems like the team might also have an update on Charlie Morton. He, of course, will not pitch in the NLDS, but sounds like he's been able to throw a little bit, which is encouraging should the team advance. Of course, hopefully everybody else is healthy. We talked about the roster should come out later in the week. So a busy week ahead for the Braves and should be enjoyable to sit back and put our feet up and watch a couple of these wild card games. Yeah, just what a, what an amazing year. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's followed along. Um, you know, Scott and I are both pretty active on Twitter, and you guys have been, you know, you guys, Braves Twitter is, I mean, I learned this week with all the Cubs stuff, but like Braves Twitter is one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest sports Twitters there is. Honestly, Braves, the Braves fan base is one of the biggest there is just because of, of TBS. And, you know, we, our fan base is kind of, global um in in a sense so yeah it's been amazing um the support has been uh really really strong we really appreciate it i know you know you and you and brad have done this show for years and 
you know, this is the biggest show on our network, but even our little show on, on Thursdays have, you know, we've just had such amazing support. So, um, really a big shout out to the fans. Um, you know, we have obviously got more content coming. Brad and Scott are going to do the, the preview once we know who the opponent is, and then we'll have some sort of, of schedule for the podcast for all the playoff games, but just a big shout out to the, uh, all of Braves country, you know, Braves fans that, that follow along on the site. It's been a lot of fun and obviously hope we, we continue and go in deep run in October. That's very well said, my friend. I will echo everything Steven said to our longtime listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. You know that we will be here just about every night once the playoffs go and get going. Win or lose, we will recap the games. We will preview ahead to the upcoming game. And to our new listeners, welcome aboard. It's a fun time of year. The Braves have once again put themselves in a position to be Uh, in the hunt for the World Series, which is why you do this, right? It's the best part of being a fan. Hopefully get another championship here. Uh, Steven, thank you very much for joining me this week, my friend. Again, he is on Twitter slash X at B underscore outliers. A great follow. I am Scott Coleman at Scott Coleman 55. We will be back this week with the Daily Hammer. We will also have a full-on NLDS preview later in the week, so be sure to look out for that. We'll see everybody next time.